welcome to the 21st episode of the Commander's Contingencies pod- Podcast. Today we are going to be talking about the Layla Charge Counters deck. Our Riku Jank Garbage Creature Cards themselves deck. And Aura Mutation. We're going to analyze that card to see how many creatures we get on average and what average CMC, well not really the average, breakdowns of how much you can get each CMC. So to start off, um, there is no MTG news, uh, and also I'm going to be working on some changes to this podcast, so because I, not that many people have been listening, and I don't really know how to learn how to be more entertaining. I think I'm gonna look that up, but I'm not sure if that's the thing you can just like take classes on and get better at. So I will try that. But another thing I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be putting the things that in my mind are the most valuable to every person listening to this. Every person that plays Commander wants to hear my analyzing of the card because I've come up with some really valuable information from that and wants to hear the MTGs. So I'm going to start off with the analyzing of the cards and then I'm going to go on with the MTGs from now and the future. Then I will talk about the commander quest and I will do those decks because not everyone wants to hear about the commander quest but I think everyone wants know about the conclusions that I'm drawing. So, let's go ahead and do that. So, the card of the week this week is Aura Mutation. Aura Mutation is a white and a green for an instant. Destroy target enchant. Create X11 green sapling creature tokens where X is the enchantment's converted mana cost. So, basically, what I am analyzing is how many saplings I'm likely to get, slash what odds are, what the odds are of me getting specific CMCs. So, what I did, I made this nice little chart where I have the CMC or more in each time. So... CMC 2 plus on turn 3, if you cast this, I am counting it as right before your turn on your last opponent's end step, you can cast it, so it would count for the entirety of all your opponent's turns. For those, for turn 3, the odds of you getting a card with CMC 2 or more and I eliminated cards with CMC 4, 5, 6, for example, because you wouldn't necessarily be able to play those on turn 3. If you ramp, you can, but I use on curve as a general baseline. So, with that, there is a 67% chance on turn 4, there's an 83% chance, and on turn 5, there's a 90% chance. So that is two or more 
So, really, it could be a lot more, it could be just two, but as a baseline for this card, that is quite good if you get two. Because think about it, you're spending two mana at instant speed to create two 1-1 one, one green samples. That is better than most other sapling token producers. And you get to get rid of an opponent's chain. And in, the rare, in a rare scenario, it could be a removal spell that could make it so you don't lose the game. It is quite good. And, I mean, when we increase these numbers, they're still fine. I actually expected this to be pretty bad. But it's not. I mean, last week I I analyzed Artifact Mutation, and it is better. But Aura Mutation is also really good. Plus, I know when you're, when you're playing, you have noticed that if you compare the number of significant auras and the number of significant artifacts that you see across your uh, across the field think about it doubling season for example there's a lot more auras that are important and maybe even big so aura mutation is very good even if it is not on the level of artifacts and I can't really speak of how good it is as a removal spell. I can say that there's roughly seven and a half enchantments on average in commander decks. Uh, for those of you curious, I did a lot of analyzing, a lot of farming the data on Eviatrek to find this. So this is just the average deck on Eviatrek. There can be a lot of variation. Plus, there's three opponents. I can't really. There's no mathematically sound way for me to scale up the number because of the fact that there are three opponents. At least, not that I know of. Um, but that the odds of it working are increased because of that. So, if we're talking about getting three or more, on turn three we have a 44% chance. Turn 4, we have a 71% chance, and on turn 5, we have an 80% chance. We're going to be wanting to cast this later rather than sooner. If your opponents have already cast an important aura or something big, go ahead, use it if you can't use your mana for anything else. And really, you just have to make your choice. But your odds are much higher if you wait. And that's the thing, you have to be careful because you can't take what I'm saying too literally because even if your odds are quote unquote higher and you already hit the jackpot, you don't need to wait. If you have a solid opportunity to take it out and you know you're not gonna have that opportunity again for a couple more turns, I would almost always take it out. That's just me, but just keep in mind, you might want to wait later, you might want to go sooner. It's really up to you. You're the only one who has all the information while there. Okay, now CMC 4 or more. 
Uh, we have turn four. We're starting on turn four because obviously we can't get anything on turn three. Uh, we have a 45% chance. On turn five, we have a 65% chance. And on turn six, we have a 73% chance. So that is pretty nice. If we wait until turn six, we are likely, relatively likely, to get a an artifact with CMC four or more. What is my cat just went under the couch. Uh, I'm not sure what he's doing, but that's strange. I'm just gonna let him let him do him. Okay, CMC five or more. This is when it gets relatively unlikely. On turn 5, we have a 32% chance. On turn 6, we have a 43% chance. And on turn 7, we have a 46% chance. Now, what I usually do with this data is I'll come up with an average. You have, for example, like an 80% chance to get this number, uh, this number or more. And when you do that, you'll have an average of those numbers of whatever number. But I don't think that's really a great way to represent it. When I say it like that, it's like I'm saying this is going to happen every time, and it's not. I don't want to represent my data in that way anymore because it distorts it and makes it much less accurate. So I'm only going to present you with the facts, and yes, that is a fact, but it is a fact that makes you think not quite accurate. Um, I don't, I still don't know what my cat is doing. He's being very strange. Um, okay. So this week there is no MTG news that I found really to be relevant. Uh, you could say there's some, maybe, but I don't, I didn't hear anything really. I'm sure anyone could come up with something like, oh, this podcast released an episode that was controversial or something. But I usually only cover that type of thing if everyone else is talking about it, if it's a big talking point. Like if you remember when Mark Rosewater on his talk to on his Drive to Work podcast talked about rules changes he would make. He that everyone was talking about it, so I gave my opinion too, um, but other than that, usually I'm just going to talk about spoilers, things that are confirmed. Okay, so it is time to get into the decks. Alright, so real quick, I'm going to explain the commander quest. So the commander quest is my eventual goal in building all these decks. So I'm building like roughly 300 decks with no overlap in cards. So eventually I will have built decks with every single card in magic that is legal in Commander. That is my eventual goal. That is what I'm working on. And that is what these decks are a part of. So if you're like, why isn't this card in there? It's because it's really limited. And I'm trying to balance these for this scenario. I'm not balancing them for play. I do when that's possible. 
and I do want them to be as close as possible to playable. So today we have two decks, and I'm gonna start with the more janky and more fun, in my opinion. Uh, because, you know, fun is completely opinionated. So I honestly probably shouldn't be saying it, but it's my podcast, I do what I want. Okay, so this is a Riku deck. So Riku of Two Reflections is two blue, red, green for a 2-2. Legendary Creature Human Wizard. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may pay blue, red. If you do, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. And whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay green-blue. If you do, put a token that's a copy of that creature onto the battlefield. So, the idea of this deck is to have mostly, preferably creatures, because they synergize with Riku much better, but also some instants and sorceries, because I can get them to synergize with the rest of the deck, that that have their name on them and, well, with one exception, don't say you can run any number. So, one example of that is accumulated knowledge. One, blue, instant, draw a card, then draw cards equal to the number of cards named accumulated, accumulated knowledge in all graveyards. So, the idea of that is to get an accumulated knowledge into the graveyard while I have another on the stack so I can get advantage. Now, the issue with this is, first of all, for instance or sorceries, it is extremely difficult to do this because of the stack. In order to copy this in any, to copy an instant or sorcery in any situation, with only one exception that I found, without, with it still being in the graveyard, is impossible with one exception that I found. Well, actually, no, I didn't find it. Someone else found it. I posted it on the Discord server. Um, thank you. I don't remember your tag. Uh, so, basically, the way that I would benefit is if I had one in my graveyard while another was on the stack. And the reason that that's so difficult, and I can't just do it while uh, it's cast, right? So what you would do, in theory, with even Riku's ability, we'll use that. Or with a, you could exchange Riku's ability with any fourth effect, any effect to duplicate it. So what you do is you cast it, right? Then you cast the other spell, or you use Riku's ability to copy it. Then, because of the stack, the copy will resolve, and then the accumulated knowledge will resolve. So, it's very difficult to have accumulated knowledge in the graveyard while while another is on the stack. The exception I was talking about is Spellweaver Volute. Volute. I don't know. Enchant instant card in a graveyard. Whenever you play a sorcery spell, copy the enchanted instant card. You 
make Hasbro copy without paying its mana cost. If you do, remove the enchanted card from the game and attach Spell Reaper Volume to another instant card in a graveyard. So, you copy it. Then, the copy is on the stack. The copy is on the stack and resolves. And then it's exiled. That is how that works. So, it is really, really amazing. It is quite, quite a good card. So, that is the only exception that I found. It's possible there's others. So, the idea of that, I have a lot of instants and sorcerers that name themselves, and a couple of creatures. The creatures are much, much easier to synergize with. For example, Biovisionary, great win con in this deck. 1. Green, blue, for a 2-3. Creature, human wizard. At the beginning of the end step, if you control 4 or more creatures named Biovisionary, you win the game. So, basically, if I can make 4 copies, I win the game. Fairy Miscreant, blue, for a 1-1 flying. When it enters the battlefield, if you control another creature named Fairy Miscreant, draw a card. That is the idea. So the way that I synergize with these is through clones. Clone, clones are the namesake. Basically have a similar effect to the namesake. Clone. Clone is three and a blue for zero zero. You may have clone enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature on the battlefield. So. I make copies of my things and then I get benefit from having those copies. I have got 11 of similar effects to this. Uh, notable ones would be Progenitor Mimic for green blue for 0 0. Uh, it has the clone effect and then it makes a copy of itself every single upkeep. That's just about all the notable ones. They have really the same effect. So, in terms of naming the self, the cards, there's not too many notable cards. They have very similar effects. Uh, I would have an exception for Seven Dwarves. So, Seven Dwarves is one and a red for a 2-2. Two -two. Seven Dwarves gets plus one plus one for each other creature named Seven Dwarves you control. A deck can have up to seven cards named seven dwarves. Okay, so to start off, this is great because I can have lots of these. I have seven of them. Second off, I make copies with my clones, which will make all the seven dwarves bigger. Third off, I just realized I'm gonna get really triggered and really confused because in the past, uh, I didn't have any duplicates of cards, and now I will have seven, which is going to trigger me. I'm now annoyed. Um, so I'm going to calm down, and it's a good card. I just should, like, wait. I should have waited. I should have waited to break my no duplicates. Um, I'm not sure if I said this before, but... Clearly, if a card says it can have duplicates, uh, it 
then I'm going to not include that in my rule. Um, clearly, I don't know if I said that earlier, but that's what I'm doing. Um, with the, although there is one asterisk on that, I can't say Shadowborn Apostles, for example. I can't put any number of them in two different decks. I choose one deck, and then I can put the number or any number into the deck, into one deck, into the one that I chose. So the, that's really that category, and that's what the deck is built around. Uh, there's a lot of supporting things. Um, first of all, before we seem like we're moving on, we have a, sky, a spy kit package. So spy kit is two for an artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and has all names of non-legendary creature cards in addition to its name. So basically the reason there's a sky spy kit package in here is by, by, there's two reasons. I don't know what the word is. In, I'm thinking of bifurcate, but that's just a magic card, so that's in this deck. So I think that's the wrong word, but it might be the right word. Um, who knows? Well, probably. There's probably like some listener just like being very angry and like knowing the word. Uh, anyways, the reason there's a spy kit package in this deck is because these cards name themselves. So, if Spy Kit has the name of those, then it synergizes with those cards. Also, I needed a lot. I had basically 30 cards in this deck, and I was out cards that synergized. So, I realized I had a Spy Kit, and I built a package around it. And I still had like 20 more to go, so I just added ramp, removal, and draw, which kind of sucks because they're staples. You'll see this this deck has a lot of staples in it, which I don't love, but hopefully I'll be fine. I tried to be a little bit conservative, maybe. Um, basically, there's a lot of cards that synergize with Spy Kit. And I've got two other cards that can search for it out of my library, which, while admittedly, is not very much. Uh, I do have a decent amount of draw, like four cards, that I can duplicate, and a couple different ways to filter through my library. Uh, because I personally don't count cantrips as draws, as draw, or things that might maybe if you're lucky be considered draw like fairy miscreant or accumulated knowledge so that is that um also there's other things i could definitely count as draw like spell weaver value um but i don't and also there's coiling oracle and risen reef which could definitely be considered draw but i just put them in ramp so i do have a lot of different ways to filter through my deck in order to try and find spy kit but i would wager you're probably only gonna get spy kit about half the time which really sucks because there's a large chunk of your deck that is relying on you having it so probably mulligan a lot try and get it but don't go too low be 
because your plan B works fine. Also, there are some ways to synergize with the rest of the spy kit package, even if you don't have spy kit. Okay, so that was kind of long rant. Uh, basically, there are a lot of different cards that have crazy synergies with spy kit. For example, for each creature you control, you may search your library for a creature card with the same name as that creature. Put those cards into the battlefield, then shuffle your library. That is five in a green, so I just get any card creature from my graveyard, from my library, into play. I probably would just grab Progenitor Mimic. Um, there's a lot of different cards that synergize with it, but I'm going to choose one that is quite good. Bazaar of Wonders. Three blue blue. When, biz when Bazaar of Wonders comes into play, remove all cards in all graveyards from the game. Whenever a spell is played, counter it if a card with the same name is in play or in a graveyard. So, your opponents can't cast creatures. Or, they can't cast non-legendary creatures. Now, there's a lot of different cards in here. There's a 4-mana version of Doubling Chant. There's a 2-mana Pump Everything by 2. There's a lot of different things that can work with it quite well. And it's just a good place to put all these cards. Alright, so to round out the deck, we have some synergy. So this is risky and... I wasn't sure whether or not to include it in the deck, but I decided, first of all, I need a lot of cards and a lot more cards in this deck. I had a hard time finding enough cards that were janky enough to fill it in, which I kind of failed at. Uh, second of all, it does synergize with Riku pretty well. Dual nature is four green green for an enchantment. Whenever a creature card comes into play, its controller puts a creature token into play that's a copy of that creature. And whenever a creature card leaves play, remove all tokens with the same name as that creature from the game. And when dual nature leaves play, remove all tokens created with it from the game. It happens to everyone. So it's just bad, but it works in this deck sort of. Uh, Paradic of Pardic Firecat. Three and a red for a two-three haste. If if Pardic Firecat is in a graveyard, flame bursts effect counts it as flame burst. That is my cat. He just bumped my microphone. Isn't that right? Okay. So basically, flame burst is one of the other cards that names itself. It is one in a red for an instant. Flame Burst deals X damage to target creature or player, where X is two plus the number of Flame Burst cards in all graveyards. That's just a way to synergize, and I don't think I could really make any good case for this going into any other deck. Plus, it's, okay, it's really bad, but it's fun. My cat just bumped my microphone again. Um, don't know why he can't go around it. That seems much easier. But I guess I'm not a cat, so I don't understand. 
Uh, Spellweaver Volute. Three blue, blue. Oh, I already read this, didn't I? Happens to the best of us. Twinning Staff. Three for an artifact. If you would copy a spell one or more times, instead copy it that many times plus an additional time. You may choose new targets for the additional copy. And seven, tap. Copy target instant or sorcery spell you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. So, your spell proliferate. It's just all this stuff over and over and over again. Same idea. So, there's not really much to say. I can point out some notable things with um, some notable cards that have uh, charge counters on them. First of all, we have Dark Steel Reactor, which is a good win con. Four, for an artifact, it's indestructible. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a charge counter on Dark Steel Reactor. And when it has 20 or more charge counters on it, you win the game. So, yes, this is going to be less than 20 turns, but it's also still quite bad. Even if you have a Vidalcan Infuser, it's still 10 turns. Even if you have a Flux Channeler, it's still 10 turns most likely. It totally depends on how many turns you cast, cards you cast per turn. But it just isn't great. You need a win con and this has good potential for it, but it's not great. There's also nowhere else that I could justify putting it, so that's another reason. Um, we have Angel Heart Vial, I guess. Five for an artifact whenever you're dealt damage, put that many charge counters on it. And two tap, remove four charge counters on it to gain two and draw a card. Uh, Altar of Shadows, seven for an artifact. Add black to your mana pool at the beginning of each main phase for each charge counter on it. And it has seven tap, destroy target creature, then put a charge counter on it. It's quite expensive, but it works eventually once you've built up like an insane amount of charge counters on it. Uh, we've got an empowered auto generator. This deck is actually quite good at making a lot of mana. That's that's one of the many ways to get advantage. Uh, four for an artifact, it enters tapped and you may tap it to put a charge counter on it and add X mana of any one color where X is the number of charge counters on empowered auto generator. We have an energy count chamber. This is just another thing that can add charge counters. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose one, put a plus one plus one counter on target artifact creature or put a charge counter on target non-creature artifact. Um, really, as I've said, there's not too much notable stuff. It's all along the same lines. Uh, there's Magistrate Scepter, which is three for an artifact, four tap, put a charge counter on it, and tap, remove three charge counters from Mag Magistrate Scepter, take an extra turn after this one. I mean, I'm just gonna stop talking about it there because it's all the same stuff. So you get the idea, 50 artifacts, um, tons of stuff. So that is the idea of the Alela Proliferate Charge Counters deck. It is time to get into the collection statistics. So first of all, as I said earlier, I will be forever triggered by these seven dwarves. 
Um, but I, I don't think there's a but. I'm just triggered, so not sure that, 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 that that's really not relevant, but I'm just going to say it anyways. So there's 1,822 total cards, but really I've only gotten through 1,816. So that's, we're, we're moving along. Uh, we have 226438 is the estimated value, which if we go ahead and we get a calculator and we divide 2268 by, hold up, by 1816. I'm, I'm, I'm checking, okay? I'm doing, doing maths. I wanna see, okay, so we have an average of 125 per card, which as we calculated last time, it's overall for our all magic cards, it's an average of 2.24 cards, if not more. So that's, we are much ahead by an entire dollar basically. Okay, uh, in terms of color distribution, we are not looking great. Um, we have 130 multicolor, 232 white, 287 blue, uh, 188 black, 312 red, 317 green, and 356 colorless. So, green, red, black, white, blue, white, blue, black, red, green is uh, the correct way to say it. Um, should all be even, and the they're not um red and green are sitting at 300 whereas the other ones are at like 2 250 so that's not great and colorless which has 350 cards should be at like 250 uh, multicolor should also have more should be at roughly 250 and it's at 130 so that's not great uh we've got our Type distribution, 1,044 creatures, 176 sorceries, 294 artifacts, 10 planeswalkers, 71 lands, 173 enchantments, 4 tribal cards, and 160 instants. So, that's... I don't know, I will probably, next week, I will have the data on the correct distribution percentages and how close I am to that. Um, we will see. But I just remember in the past times that I have checked it, it has been fairly accurate. Okay. Terms of rarity distribution, we have 748 commons, 579 uncommons, 434 rares, and 61 mythics. So, if we look at the actual distribution, there's slightly more commons than uncommons, uh, slightly more uncommons than rares, and roughly one-sixth the number of mythics than there are rares. So, I am on track, but really, uh, my slightly less is much more drastic, so I'm being much more lenient than they are. For example, I have basically double the number of commons to rares, and it's it's a difference of like two-thirds, or one-quarter for each of them. Whereas for the other run, whereas for the actual distribution, it's 
usually a difference of, I think it was like one eighth or so, like a thousand. No, that would be one twentieth. So, it's much more drastic for me. Actually, no. I'm not sure. I'd have to check, but it is much more drastic for me. I don't have any good way off the top of my head to say. Okay, so that is the end of the episode. Thanks for listening. You can find my personal architect at I'm a Johnny, A-J-O-H-N-N-Y. You can find my commander quest and with the link in the description below. You can find my commander quest account with the link in the description below or at commander quest. You can see the link to my collection statistics in the description and my website. You can also visit my YouTube channel, Commander's Contingencies. Also, there's a link in the description below. I will also post any relevant links, such as the decks that I went over, or if there's any news, I will post links to my source or things that have more information. I will see you next week. Oh, there will also be time blocks to tell you what times certain things in the episode are happening.